Uh, we're starting a new series today. Super pumped about it. It's called Once Upon a Time, Stories That Jesus Told. Now, the stories that Jesus was in and the stories that Jesus told in the Bible are uh, far more precious than what maybe some of you guys realize they are. Um, because the last verse in the book of John says something very interesting. Here, let me read it to you. It says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. I recently have been trying to read huge chunks of the Bible, like 15 chapters at a time or 10 chapters at a time. And what's becoming very apparent to me is that Jesus had thousands of people following him around all the time. When he fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves, that wasn't like some random day where there just happened to be 5,000 people there. Those numbers of people were following him around all the time, constantly. The reason why they were following him around was exactly what that scripture just said. Every day, he was healing people like crazy. And he would heal everyone, everyone. I just recently heard a, a wild statistic that if you're new to the church, this may not mean a whole bunch to you. Uh, but for those of you that have run around the church world for a long time, you know the name Oral Roberts. And uh, Oral Roberts um, is, is known uh, for having a huge healing ministry. He would pray for people and they would be healed. Well, I recently read or, or recently heard from a, a, a historian that only 15% of the people that he prayed for at his church got healed. But if you're praying for two or 300 people every single weekend, 15% can add up really fast. But still, it was 15%. It's one of the greatest healing eras in our history of the church. Still only 15%. If you read the Gospels, Jesus healed everyone several times over again. So people were following him by the thousands every day. And so that's why that scripture is there. It says, look, if we were to write down every single story, every single miracle, every single healing... All the books of the world could not contain the stories. So the fact that there's about 30 or 40 stories of all the thousands that happened, 40 of them made it. There must be something special about those 40. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're just going to plow through the stories that Jesus told and or the stories that Jesus was in. And so um, if you would like to go on this journey with me, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to start in the first chapter of John and we're just going to move. And so when I prepared this message, I opened up the book of John and I said, I'm going to find the first words that are in red. And that's what I'm going to talk about. 
Now, if you own a real Bible, this is a fake Bible right here, okay? iPads and iPhones are fake Bibles. If you own a, a real Bible um, inside your Bible, uh, and I don't want anyone to feel awkward about that, I read out of a fake Bible nine times out of ten during the week. Um, but if you read out of a real Bible, the, the writings, uh, anytime Jesus spoke, the writings are in red. Now, some of you downloaded a fancy app, and the writing is read in your phone as well. But I opened up the book of John, and I said, the first words that I see in red, I'm going to talk on. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, next Sunday, I'm going to find the next set of red words, and we can dive into those. So here are the first set of red words. John chapter 1, verse 35. John, this is the setting. John the Baptist is baptizing people. All of a sudden, Jesus walks up and his mind gets blown because Jesus is the man that he has been saying, there's a Messiah coming, there's a Messiah coming. And John the Baptist had a certain spiritual gift that when he looked into your eyes, he could see the content of your soul. It's an unbelievable gift. That's why he could look at certain people and he would say, you're a broad of vipers. You could see into their soul. They showed up acting holy. You could look right into their eyes and say, you're a broad of vipers. All of a sudden, Jesus walks up and Jesus looks like just any other man. He looks into his eyes and he goes, this is him. This is the Messiah. And so he baptizes Jesus at Jesus's command. And this is what happened the next day. Are you guys ready? The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now think about that. One of those disciples that John had was a guy named Andrew. And for those of you that have been in the church world for a little while, that name rings a bell because that's one of Jesus's disciples. Andrew used to be a disciple of John. Jesus came by and Andrew was like, beep, beep. I'm out. Love you. It's been real. It's been good. It's been real good. But I'm out. I'm going to follow Jesus now. And so Jesus looked around and saw them following. And I love Jesus so much because he's walking and he turns around and goes, what do you want? I'm like, I love this guy so much. They replied, Rabbi which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, well, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. The first, I've got three thoughts that we're going to unpack. The first thought is simply this, what do you want? Jesus looked at these disciples and said, what do you want? What if Jesus were to look at you and say, what do you want? Some of us, could, you would have an answer, bam, right now. You know, I need a job, a J-O-B. I need a job. You, you would have something ready to go right now. But there's many of us in this room that if Jesus looked right at you and said, what do you want? You'd go, um... Give me a minute. <laughs> uh, because we haven't thought about that. 
Let me ask you, let me force you to think about it. If Jesus were to look at you right now and say, what do you want? Do you have an answer? What do you want? Do you have a prayer request that is burning in your soul? What do you want? Some of you would say, it's a, I, got, I need a financial need now. I need to be healed right now. I got a marriage. You know exactly what it is. Some of you, it's not an earthly thing. You would say, I want to be much closer to you than I am right now. You feel really far, and I don't want it to be like that anymore. Is there anyone in this room that, that, that was, that's what you would say? Uh, some of us have like a half a dozen things. We're like, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Uh, there's three levels of learning the the first level is um, you think you know everything any of you have teenagers (laughs) you can't teach them anything because they know everything you can't teach them anything at all they know it all I have a 13 year old let me make sure she's not in here all right she's not in here don't tell her I said this but if you have any problems at all go talk to her because she knows it all (laughs) she knows everything that's the first level of learning is when uh, you think you know it all the second level of learning is that moment where you go I know I don't know it all but I don't know what I don't know like I don't even know where to start like I don't even know what I don't know I don't I don't know everything, but I don't, I, don't know, I don't even know what to study, what to read, where to go, who to talk to. I, like, I don't even know what I don't know. And then the third level is after you kind of wade through that, you go, oh, now I'm in the discovery zone because now I know what I don't know and I want to know more of it. Right? That's the next zone. I want to push you this morning to push you to say, what do you want because There is much more available in your relationship with God than what you and I even realize. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm just telling you, there's so much more available. I cannot even articulate it. Look at the person next to you and say, there's more. There's more. Look at him again. I say, there's more. Now look at your second option. All right. (laughs) Look at your second option. Look at them and say, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Uh, The first more to the first person felt more comfortable. The second option was like, I don't know you and here I am talking to you, but let's keep moving. (laughs) There's more. That's my second point. The first one was, what do you want? The second one is is that there's more. Uh, It's so interesting to me that deep down inside, um, every Christian, um, uh, see, there was 12 tribes of Judah in the Bible. Um, and and it's, it, they, all those people loved God, but they were different tribes. They were very different in nature. It's very reminiscent of the church today. You got a Baptist church down the street. They love Jesus. They read the Bible. They're going to heaven. And you go right down the, around the corner over here and you got like a, uh, a Pentecostal church that's reading the Bible or a Methodist church. They're reading the Bible. They love Jesus. Um, they're all going to heaven, assuming they have a relationship with Jesus. They're all going to heaven, but they're all very different. Then you find a church that's like a spirit-filled church. They believe in gifts of the spirit. It's very different than a a Southern Baptist church. Um, uh, And and it's so funny because they're all very different. Uh, A spirit-filled person would say to a Baptist person, 
you're going to heaven, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm just a little bit more right than you. <laughs> because we, we believe in gifts of the Spirit. And a Baptist person would say back, I'm not going to say this out loud. I'm sure you're going to heaven. But all of y'all are weird. <laughs> you're crazy. And you don't read your Bible. We may not read our Bible, but we believe in spiritual gifts. So we're a little bit more right. The fact that you don't read your Bible tells me you're a little bit more weird than you think you are. So we're a little bit more right. All Christian um, uh, tribes, for lack of a better word, deep down inside, they kind of feel like they got it figured out. And wherever you are in your journey with the Lord, deep down inside, you kind of feel like I'm at a good place. You can't help it. I'm at a good place. I want to tell you, wherever you're at in your journey, wherever you're at, there is so much more. And we have a tendency, all of us do, I do, you do, we have a tendency to relax in what we're already experiencing and we start thinking that we kind of arrived. We're kind of there. And if you don't think that, you think this, I haven't arrived, I'm not there, but I'm probably never going to have more than what I have right now, so I'm not going to frustrate myself. I'm just going to chill and relax because I already know I'm going to heaven, I'm just going to relax and chill. This is what I want to tell you. My mind has been blown over the last few weeks because I was reading a book on my iPhone around midnight by a guy by the name of Charles Finney. He wrote a book called Power From On High. I'm halfway asleep. It's midnight. I'm reading. And all of a sudden I went, oh, wow. He starts talking about being endowed with power. And he says something along these lines. He says, some people pray and they see miracles and they see healing every once in a while. And he goes, and the reason why that happens is because they're believers and these signs shall follow those who believe. He goes, but... The Bible speaks of being endowed with power. And people who are not endowed with power should wrestle with the Lord until they are endowed with power. And then they will see more powerful things happening in their life. And I'm laying there and I went, and whoa, hold on, whoa, time out. Now I'm sitting up in my bed. Because he's using terms that I recognize. Because in the Bible... Jesus says, all of you disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be endowed with power. It doesn't say that you're going to start speaking in tongues. It doesn't say you're going to start getting goosebumps. It doesn't say, I'm going to feel the hair on the nap of my neck standing up. It doesn't say any of that. 
It says you will be endowed with power. Now, the background that I come from is you assume that you've been endowed with power if you have any gift at all. If you speak in tongues, you're endowed with power. If you can preach real good, you're endowed with power. If you can say no to a sin that you haven't been able to say no to before, you're endowed with power. You have arrived. And Charles Finney's sitting there going, oh, hold on a minute here. There's way more. So I decided, hey, Charles Finney is a man that I admire, but he's not the Bible. I'm going to go to the Bible on my own and unpack this thing for myself. That's always a healthy thing to do. So let me just put, I'm going to look at these disciples and I see this progression, this journey that Jesus takes these young men on where they're going from more to 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 more. There's not this like final experience where they're like, I have arrived. Let me show you. When Jesus met the disciples in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus called them out and said, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Now, these are fishermen. These are teenagers. Teenagers are a little bit uh, uh, smart mouth. They're a little chippy like this guy. You're going to teach me how to fish for people? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Nevertheless, they said, I'm in. They begin to follow Jesus. They didn't know there was anything about fishing for people. They didn't know fishing for people meant you were going to try to get people to come to heaven. They didn't know that. That's the first progression of more. It's like, oh, I didn't even know this was an option. This is, okay, I'm in. They drop their nets. They start following Jesus. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus is standing in a room with the disciples. And watch what he does. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I would have liked to have been in that room. He just goes... He didn't didn't say he blew on him, so it wasn't like Jesus was like, (gasps) like he was blowing out candles. It just he just breathed. They received the Holy Spirit. Then after that, there was even more after that. In Acts chapter one, verse four and five. And being assembled together with them, Jesus, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, if you're anything like me, you go time out. Hold on a minute. Jesus is telling them to go to Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. But he just a few weeks ago breathed on them and he received the Holy Spirit. There's more? There's more? So then they go to Jerusalem 
In Luke, it says that they were endowed with power. And now watch this. Three chapters later, Peter gets arrested. You stop preaching about Jesus. We're going to whip you. We're going to beat you. The Romans were not into it. He comes back to a house full of believers. And they're like, they're going to throw us all in prison if we don't stop preaching. So let's say, let's pray together. Get in a circle. They hold hands. They pray. They say, dear God, give us boldness. Watch what happens. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, verse 29, it says, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word because they were scared. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer... The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Time out again. How did the Holy Spirit come on them in the room shake? I thought they already received the Holy Spirit. And when they were endowed with power, before that, Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. How many times are they going to receive the Holy Spirit unless there's just more? There's more. Wherever, whatever stage you're in, wherever you're at in your journey, there is more. Pastor... um, Bettinger, his wife Cheryl, uh, stand up real quick. Um, they were on the screen. These people are awesome. They've been a part of our church for a few years, but stand up real quick. Stand up real quick. How long have you guys been in the ministry? 50 years. 50 years. 50 years. Do not get in a story trading contest with these people. They've been everywhere. They've been to China. They've been to Taiwan. They're going to Germany. They've been to Mars. They've been everywhere. (laughs) Do not trade stories with these people. But they've been walking with the Lord in the ministry for 50 years. I would look at them with full confidence and say, there's so much more. There's so much more. I talked about this in the first service. Pastor Bettinger grabbed me out in the, in, the, um, in the foyer and he goes, I can't believe you talked about this because me and my wife just read a devotional a couple days ago called More. And he goes, we are looking for more of God. Now, some of you who are intellectuals, let me just hit pause because uh, a sermon should be balanced with information and inspiration. If it's all inspiration, we get excited, but we don't know what we're excited about. are you with me it's like you leave church and go that was awesome and what did the preacher talk about i don't know but it was good (laughs) it was good but if it's all information you're gonna say that it's like a math teacher Uh, so a perfect message is information and inspiration kind of twined together like this All right, so if you ever want to pray for me, pray for me. It's not easy, but the Holy Spirit makes it happen. Let me, I've been kind of talking about inspiration with scriptural backing. 
But let me get really practical because some of us in this room are far more practical than we are an idealistic personality. And you're sitting there and you're going, Frankie, you keep saying there's so much more. What is more? What is more? I'm so glad you asked. You want to know what more is? I have no idea. (laughs) Do me a favor and tweet that. (laughs) Pastor Frankie has no idea what more of God is. And I'll stand in front of a TV camera and say the same thing. I have no idea what more of God is. I have no clue what more of God is. No clue. This is what I do know. Is that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what I know. That's what I know. What what I know. What I know. Is that Paul says that we have. He prayed for the Christians. And he says. Oh that you would know. How deep. And how high. And how wide the love of God is. I'm just telling you. That we are making a huge mistake and we are leaving a lot on the table when we reach a place in our walk with God when we're just kind of casual now. We're just, it's a casual thing now. We're just kind of punching in and punching out. We show up. We know we're going to heaven. We're good people. We're moralistic people. We're kind people. We're going to heaven. And we're just going to kind of rest there. We are leaving so much on the table. So much, so much. And you say, can you get a little bit more specific? Okay, I will. Because I got one more point to my sermon left. Intimacy, point number three, leads to fruitfulness. When the disciples, when Jesus said, what do you want? They said, well, where are you staying? Basically, we just want to be with you. Now, that's a big deal. They didn't say... Uh, what do I want? Well, I want a new job. He said, well, we want to be with you. Because when you are with him and you're in the state of pursuing, I'm pursuing a closer relationship with you. And I don't really know how more is going to manifest because I don't know what you have in your bag. Okay. I don't know what all you have. I don't, you, you, I have a, a, a finite mind. you you're the God of the universe. You control wind and waves. I, I, I don't know what's available. But I do want to be close to you. The, the disciples were basically saying that. We want to follow you. And, and one of Jesus' teachings sounded like this. Some of you will recognize it. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me, those who stay close to me, and I will be in you will produce much fruit. Everybody say fruit. Fruit. You're going to produce fruit. You're going to do something that is fruitful. This kind of fruit, if you have a Baptist background, you're going to love this. This kind of fruit is not the fruit that's referred to in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That is not the fruit that Jesus is talking about. The fruit of the Spirit 
in layman's terms, is the fruit of being. It's who you are. It's the character of the spirit developing inside of you. It's the fruit of being. You are a kind person. Kind, love, gentleness, kindness, goodness. It's a being. It's who you become. It's the fruit of being. That's not the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a different kind of fruit. He's talking about a fruit of doing. You are going to do things and there you are going to be fruitful when you do it. But this kind of fruit only comes when you're connected with me. Now, let's unpack that. There are certain things that you can do in life that you don't need to be a Christian for. You can have a good job without being a Christian. You can make good money without being connected to the vine. We all know people who are not Christians at all, and they're not even trying. And they are loaded. So that's not the fruit that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a fruit that you can only have if you are connected to him. So now we're talking about something that involves him. Where he says, you and I will be co-laborers. We're going to do this together. Because that's the only way it's going to happen. You cannot do this without me. You cannot do it without me. Well, I can get a job without you. Yes, and that's not, we're not talking about what you can do without them. We're only talking about things that you cannot do without them. And he says, I and you, you will bear much fruit. And watch how he ends this, this conversation. He says this in verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words... Remain in you. You study the Bible. You may ask for anything you want. And it will be granted. Watch this. When you produce much fruit. This is Jesus' motivation. When you produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. Now I'm going to make a difference. Between you and non-Christians. There's going to be things that you will be able to do that other people who are not abiding in me will be able to do. I'm going to make a difference. Moses said this. He goes, Lord, if your presence is not with us, how will people know that we're any different from the rest of the world? Your presence has got to be with us. Otherwise, they won't know that your favor is on my life. Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll be able to do things that will mark you as being different. And he goes, this is the big one, though. This brings glory to my father. He goes, I want you to be able to produce a fruit that separates you from everybody else. Like what? How in the what? And huh? It separates you from everyone else and it's going to bring glory to my father. So now what are we talking about here? What 
Can all what can you do that you can only do if the Holy Spirit is moving through you? And you can't do it if the Holy Spirit is not moving through you. I can feel the room going, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. We got to go there. We have to go there. Paul said this. He goes, when I was among you, truly the signs of the apostle was among you. And these signs were signs, wonders, and miracles with all perseverance. See, when we are laser focused of abiding in him and pursuing him, the word of the Lord of the message this morning is, there is so much more. There, are even, there is even a relationship where it will be natural for you to operate in the supernatural. And that is the fruit that you can only have if you're connected to him. To have supernatural things happening in your life. When you're out with your girlfriend at a restaurant and she is hurting and she needs a healing, you say, let's pray about it right now. And a healing takes place. That can only happen if you're connected. The only, if you go to sleep at night and you have a dream and you wake up the next morning and you have a dream that God gave you last night. That can only happen if you're connected to the Holy Spirit. If you are, are, are sitting there talking with somebody and all of a sudden a word of knowledge comes to your mind that you never studied before, that is something that you, that is a fruit that you can only have being connected to the vine. Why am I talking about this? Because we cannot... We can't. There's too much on the line. We cannot be comfortable where we are. Wherever you are, wherever part of the journey you're at, there is so much more. There is so much more. Say, okay, give me some practical stuff. I realize there's so much more. What do I do? Because Jesus is not walking around and I can say, hey, I'll fish for men. Like, that's not an option anymore. That was 2,000 years ago. You missed that boat. You weren't born yet. So what do we do now? This is what we do. We back up and we go right back to that scripture. And it says this, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. No, go back to verse seven. But if you remain in me, if, 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 in other words, if you don't do it, forget about it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. If you are constantly in prayer with me and you're studying my word. A lot of times people love to read the word, but they're not really loving praying that much. And then there's other people, they love to pray, but they get bored with reading you got to have them both. It's like making a hamburger. you got to have two pieces of bread. Otherwise, it gets all messy. You know, we've all seen messy Christians before, right? It's like, you're weird. 
messy. The reason why they're messy is they either pray too much and don't read enough, or they read too much and they don't pray at all. You got to have both. You got to have it right there. Bang. He says, if you remain, if, 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 because a lot of people are just, they're just happy where they are. But if you pursue me, and if you, my word remains in you, oh yeah, you're going to produce much fruit. Stand up on your feet. Give the Lord a standing ovation, will you? Come on. Let's give it to him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in the room? Just raise both hands right where you are. If you're new here and you're like, why are we raising our hands? It's an outward expression of surrender. Let me just pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over every single person here. Holy Spirit, pour the love of God on their heart right now. Just pour the love of God on their heart. In the name of Jesus, just pour the love of God on their heart. Just pour the love of God on their heart. They would love you more than they've ever loved you before. Lord, I pray a supernatural hunger in this room. A hunger inside of every person here. That they want you more than they want anything else in their life. Holy Spirit, you've come to comfort them. Comfort them. Holy Spirit, you've come to teach us. Teach us come to comfort and you've come to teach holy spirit do that the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus the name of jesus may the lord bless you may he keep you may his face shine down upon you may his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. No official dismissal. You can leave whenever you want to. But let's just sing this song one time through before you leave.